um, this is going to be different. Last week, I hurt my back, and I've never done that before. Apparently, I've now got to the age where that happens. Uh, I went for a walk in Newport. I was doing the cliff walk, which is a lovely walk, and there's some rocky terrain about halfway around, and I was going down a hill, and um, I put my foot down, and I twisted, and something moved. And I thought, oh, that's strange. And what was strange became very painful over the next few days. And lots of people prayed for me and sent me messages to say, I'm praying for you. And sometimes we say that because it's a nice thing to say. Sometimes people actually do it. And I want to tell you, it works. It works. I've heard it said before, when we don't pray, nothing happens. When we do pray, sometimes things happen. So wherever you land on the ability of faith and prayer, I want to say to you, pray. Because God listens. And uh, I'm feeling a lot better. And I'm here today. So thank you for your prayers. We sensed this morning to make some adjustments. So what we're going to do is different to what we had planned to do. We want to look at some stories. We want to tell some stories. If you don't know me particularly well this morning, you're going to hear a few more stories about myself. My name's Adam. This is my wife, Sarah. We've been here for nearly three years. It's been a very strange period of time. 18 months of that was quite unique, but we know about that. We don't need to go there anymore. But we want to tell some stories because when we testify to God's goodness, it's good to say there was a back pain, but it's good to hear the other side of that. It plants the seed that God can do it again. It's good and proper to honor God and to testify to his goodness. And it plants the seed. And I feel that some of our stories will connect with different people. For some of you, it'll be, oh, that was a nice story. But for some of you, it will resemble where you currently are. And I want to pray for you in that. So we want to do this differently. We're going to start with two passages, which we're going to put on the screen. First one is a small passage in Luke 8, verse 39. To give you some context, Jesus is beginning to travel He's meeting people. He's giving great teaching and more than teaching. There are these miracles that the Bible calls signs. There's a clue in the word sign. A sign is pointing to something. And in the case of Jesus' ministry, it's pointing to him. And somebody experiences Jesus in a powerful way. And Jesus gives some specific instruction to this person in verse 38. We read this. Return home. And tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Now this person asked God to do something and he did. Sometimes he could have said thank you very much and gone about his business. Because he's back sorted and he's all good. But he doesn't. Jesus gives him some clear instructions. Go and tell people what's happening because what's inside you is always meant to come out of you. And he does. And the impact is the town hears and it's incredible. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus meets a woman at a well and her experience is to go and tell everyone what he has done. 
These stories are meant to travel. John's gospel ends with this almost poetic verse that we often read past quite quickly where it says if everything that Jesus said and done and all the miracles were recorded then there almost wouldn't be enough books to to tell all the stories today we want to tell some of the stories and we want to plant seeds of possibility that God can do it again so Sarah and I are going to tag team and she's going to say a story and I'm going to say a story and we may jump in a little bit kind of interactively and then we'll pray so why don't you, are you going to begin with that passage? Okay, I'm going to start out reading a scripture that's really special to me. I feel like this is really has become part of me. So I'm going to read from Lamentations. So if you have your Bibles with you, Lamentations chapter 3, let me just give you a minute to get there. Lamentations chapter 3, and I like to call this the hope sandwich. This, I read this at a time in my life that was incredibly difficult. Uh, And I'll read you what it says. Limitations 3, 19 to 24. I remember, oh, this is the NIV. I'll I'll read it in the NIV and I'll I'll read, let me read what's on the screen. It'll be easier. And I really like this translation too. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin fresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. And in the NIV, verse 21, where where it says in that translation, yet I dare to hope when I remember this, it says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So what I'm doing, what we're doing this morning, is, is we're calling to mind the faithfulness God and this scripture so many times I read the bit that says your faithfulness where is it your compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness but I've never read the bit before that that says I will never forget this awful time as I grieve my loss and there are moments where just we're awful but um but it's in those moments that we need to call to mind the faithfulness of God. So let me call to mind a few things. Um, so these are my boots. These are my favorite pair of shoes. And they have a story. Um, I wish I had my old boots because they're the other half of the story. Um, so these boots were given to me as a gift, I think, last summer. Yeah by Adam and 
originally I wanted to have a black pair, but um, Adam got me a red pair. And it was no accident because I had, when I was in high school, I had a black pair and I would wear them every single day and they, until they wore out. But my mom still had them somewhere in a box and it was probably, I don't know, like a year and a half ago, I asked my mom if she still had them and she mailed them to me. <laughs> and I, um, I, they were like falling apart, kind of. But I love those boots and, um, and I put them on and they just didn't feel right. And um, God said, you can't walk in those boots anymore because you can't walk that path anymore. And I was like, and it was one of those penny drop, oh my, like, oh yeah. Because <laughs> when I wore those boots, I, I spent most of my teenage years um, not really knowing who Jesus is and not knowing who the Holy Spirit is. And I walked some some hard, dark paths. And, uh, and so these boots, they rep they're red because they represent the blood of Jesus and how he's covered all of that stuff and how now I walk in these shoes because I walk in the path of Jesus and I'm, and he saved me. And when I, I wish that I had a picture of those old boots so that I could show you. But, um, but I, time after time after time, God's been so, he saved me from so many things. And sometimes when I think back to, to my teenage years and I think of thing, places that I was, places I was and things that could have went really wrong, but they didn't, um, and things that God saved me from, I'm, I am really, really grateful. And it also makes me remember too that I, I used to really, really struggle with, um, with terrible anxiety all through my teenage years. And just all the time, just about everything. And it, it, was, just, it was just suffocating sometimes. It just felt so restrictive. And so when I wear these shoes, I also remember how uh, how one time I, um, and this is, this is not in my teenage years, but this was, I'm terrible with years. What year was it when I, um, was it Caroline? Can you remember? Adam's really, really good at remembering. 2016. Years. 2016. Yes. <laughs> he can probably remember the day of the week and what color shirt he was wearing. <laughs> um, so uh, there was this, t this period of time where I felt was feeling really anxious about something. And it was the middle of the day. It was like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I just felt this weight on my chest. And I could feel that I was about to, I, I was about to have a panic attack. And I didn't know what to do. And I picked up the phone and called my friend. And I said... Can you, can you talk to me? Can you just talk to me? Because I, cause I, I, need, I need somebody to talk to and something else to think about right now. And I could feel like just the, I, I just felt like I couldn't breathe. And she said, go outside in your yard, Sarah. And I was like, whatever, okay. So I went out in my yard and she said, just look up at the sky. So I looked up at the sky 
and I could see the clouds and she was just talking to me and I was looking up at the clouds and I was just, you know, I don't even know what she said. I don't remember what she said, but I just remember that I just saw the clouds and I looked up and within a few, I don't know how long it was, but I just, I could breathe again. And, and God, it was like he just opened up my airways and I could breathe. And there are so, so many moments like that where God just came right in and saved me. And that was a scary moment. But I looked up, and I'm grateful that my friend reminded me to look up. So that's that. Put this passage on. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We didn't overly plan how we're going to tell the stories, but I'm just going to respond. When Sarah was in the point of panic, it was setting her gaze beyond herself and looking up. That when we look around us, sometimes there's plenty of reasons why the panic is valid. Because the circumstances that you may be suffering are real. But when we look up and we look to him, it changes everything. And for those of you that like the, the medical explanation, by looking up, the airwaves open. And you can breathe more easily. So when the psalmist wrote this hundreds of years ago, it was onto something. So if you are suffering with anxiety, and if that story connects with you, may I encourage you to look up and to look to him. And then the boots story, because you told two stories at the same time. I think there's someone here that's probably walking in some old boots that don't fit anymore. And maybe God today wants to give you some new boots. Because the paths that they've been down, you know that those paths aren't for you anymore. We're going to pray for some people. I'm going to tell a different story, and I'm going to start with a series of photos. We're going to go photos one to four. We're going to move through these quickly. Photo number one looks like this. That's me. Those are some small grayling from a local river. Photo number two, I think I was 10 or 11. This is my first double-figure carp, which in the world of carp fishing, people talk about your first double this was 1994. Here I am with dates. I was 15 years old, and the fish weighed 11 and a half pounds. I thought it was a monster. Move on. Next photo. They're getting bigger. This is Broadlands Lake, 1998. I was 19, and that's a mirror carp of about 17, 18 pounds. And then the last one. Oh. Now we're at 36 pounds. This is a fish that was known. It was the biggest mirror carp in the lake. The fish was called the orange because it was quite an orangey fish. Uh, there are many, many, many more photos and many fishing stories. I could sit here for a very long time. We would probably be here to the end of this year at least. Um, from a very young age, all I wanted to do was go fishing. My grandfather was a river keeper, which meant he looked after a really nice piece of, uh, of a state, private fishing, lovely, lovely piece of nature. And there was somebody who was fishing there illegally, and my grandfather approached the person, and the person ran, 
and dropped his rod and reel, and the rod was given to me. I was nine years old, and that planted the seed of many, many, many fishing adventures that came next. In my teenage years, every weekend, all I wanted to do was go fishing. Now, I'm now learning from a parent perspective, when the party scene begins in the teenage years, and your kid just wants to go fishing every weekend, that's, not, that's quite good. It's a good distraction. So all I did was go fishing. And every Christmas and every birthday present, I asked for fish and tackle. Uh, and uh, I collected a lot of fish and tackle. And for those of you that have any enthusiasm in a particular sport, whether it's boating or golf, it's amazing how much stuff you collect. And it's only when you move house you realize, well, we've really got a lot of stuff. I had a lot of fish and tackle. And it was, it was pretty good because when you are really passionate about something, you, you get good stuff. And in the winter of 2015, we, no, 2005, we were in the first house we'd bought. It was December, and I had been unwell. I had the flu proper, not just a cold, which is slightly annoying, which you call the flu. It was the real flu. And I was, I was laying on the sofa uh, in true man style, feeling like I was dying, uh, wearing a dressing gown and just feeling terrible and there was a a knock on the door and it was a neighbor who lived two doors down and she said have you seen your garage we said this is a strange greeting we said uh no well the obviously answer is yes we've seen a garage but she said the door's being removed uh i think you've been broken into we had a house here and the garage was was over here uh, somebody who knew the value of, of what I had uh, reversed a van behind it and clamped some straps on the corners of the door to the back of the van, drove their van forward, uh, ripped the door off the hinges, uh, and stolen every piece of fishing tackle that I owned. It was all gone. Uh, and I'm not materialistic. So it's not so much about money, but some of it was the memories. Uh, And everything had been taken. Everything was lost. And that was the end of that year. And it was uh, was a kind of, for me, it was a miserable Christmas. Um, Entirely because of the absence of the fishing tackle and the sense of loss and the offense of something being taken. in early the next year, early 2006, my fishing tackle was insured. I had sporting goods on the insurance policy, and it was replaced. But it didn't have the same sense of meaning. When I was a kid, I just dreamt of going fishing and writing about my fishing and traveling the world fishing, and suddenly everything had been stolen and taken. In January 2006, I had these new rods because the insurance company provided them and I went fishing to a new lake that I had recently joined and I caught quite a big fish and at the time I was getting some discount bait from a company and and in return sending them pictures which they may use in their advertising one of these photos was submitted to a magazine and in January of that year I went into the news agents to buy something else some stamps or something walked past the magazine aisle And there on the front cover of one of the fishing magazines was my photo with this fish I'd caught. 
And I didn't expect that. I remember buying the magazine somewhat nervously because the person who's serving me is looking at the magazine and looking at me. There's this strange, is this you? And I'm like, yes. But in a very English way, kind of playing it down. Uh, And I bought the magazine and I went to see Sarah and I just put it on the table. And there was this strange kind of thud moment. Yeah, because I worked. The news agent was in the town, was in the middle of the town, and I worked at the local optician, and I was the receptionist, and I was at the desk. And I will never forget when he just came in and said hi, and he put the magazine on the right in front of me, and I was like... (laughs) Yeah, how does this happen? I will never forget that. The front cover triggered sponsorship, which triggered opportunities, which triggered invitations to write, and uh, I've been around the world with fishing rods and the boy who had those dreams in those photos, I've kind of lived and fulfilled all of those dreams. And it all came about after this moment where I'd lost everything. And where it felt like I'd been robbed and everything was gone. God didn't just redeem the moment. But this is one of these unnecessary things. I don't know why God doesn't some miracles, but does do other miracles. This is one of those miracles. You're like, God, of all the miracles you had to do that day, it's kind of random, but thank you. Uh, I went around the world and fulfilled so many dreams, uh, writing, touring, and sponsorship. Just, It's as if God wanted to pay back a hundred times. This is why I'm telling this story. You may have lost something. It may have been taken from you. It may have been an offense. It may have been an injustice. Or you may have just left the door open and someone walked in. God can restore and redeem moments in ways we just don't expect. Next story. So from quite a young age, I, in many different ways, had a lot of um, things said to me and about me that, were, that became labels that I lived in. And um, all, all kinds of things. And I didn't realize it as it was happening when I was really young. And then when I was in high school, I um, I was very, very, very quiet. Like, didn't talk to anyone. And uh, just, part of it was because I'm just naturally quiet, but part of it, a lot of it was because I was very anxious and I had a lot of social anxiety. And um, everyone, I, I went to a really big school. It was, I think in my graduating class, there was like, 550 something people and um, in my whole class I don't know if you've ever when you're in the senior year my school did this school yearbook that was a special edition and they had class personalities and this it was just I can't believe they did this but anyway I was voted shyest in my class and was pictured in the school yearbook as with that word, and that word was a word that 
had been said to me so many times growing up, you know, because I would always hide behind people. And um, anyway, it just became this la ridiculous label that I lived in. And um, then I think it was, and I couldn't, <laughs> I can't once again tell you the year, but it was a, a few years after that. My, friends, my friend Sarah was, was praying for me and she just said, I feel like you have all these labels on you that have been put on you. And they were like post-it notes. And I wish I had, I wanted to bring some post-it notes today and as a prop, but I didn't. But she just stood there and she just took these imaginary post-it notes off of me and said, you don't have to live in those anymore. And, um, and it made me think about all kinds of things that had been said to me all throughout my life that were not right and that was one of them this word shy and over the years I feel like I've gotten more comfortable in um, that I'm quiet and that's okay but that doesn't mean that I'm shy and that I don't have to live in the restrictions of of that label and uh, I brought this because uh, when you pick up a tin of or a package of something it says it has a label on it and it says what it is and you look and you see, oh, the ingredients are this, this, and that. And it's this, and there it is. And it's within the boundaries of the tin, and that's it. And so I feel, I think what happened to me is I had all these labels put on me, and it was like, boom, you're this, boom, you're that. You have to live here, you have to live within these boundaries, these boundary lines. And then I felt like, certain people had kind of said, oh, you're just this, you're this, you're shy, you'll never do this, you'll do that. And, um, and, and yeah, I never moved beyond the boundaries. And then I felt like I had a few times after my friend prayed for me where I had this picture of this, it was like I was seeing myself and I was inside this box and the Holy Spirit just slowly was like putting little holes in the box so I could see that there was life outside the box. <laughs> and I looked and outside this box, there was like this big open field. And what happened is that God slowly took down the boundaries of the box and showed me that his boundaries for me are, are way bigger than all those, than all those labels. And, um, and it was this big field and I was just running in this field. And um, I think I'm going to read, can I just borrow this? I'm just going to read from Psalm 16, because this is another one that went along with that, which I love. Psalm 16. There's so many labels that we can put on ourselves, and, you know, and I've, I've, I've grown to really... Um, I can't stand it when I, when I see someone being labeled. Um, you know, pastor's wife. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm not living in that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I said we haven't rehearsed this. We're just going to go as we go. <laughs> Now I lost my place. 
You, uh, Lord, you alone are my portion. This is Psalm 16:5. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Mm. <laughs> Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Yes. And now I feel, I feel like God laughs at... <sighs> he just, he laughs at some of the things that the enemy um, tried to do in my life. And, um, and when I'm... I used to be so hung up on what people think. And sometimes I am. But for the most part, I have so much more peace than I used to have. And that's only because of Jesus. So. so if you've been mislabeled or if you've mislabeled yourself, be aware of the labels because by definition, they do provide a framework or a can. And Jesus says the boundary lines have fallen in bigger, more pleasant spaces. I'm looking at the time. I've got one or two more stories. Do I do two quickly or one slowly? This one's... Shall I take this one out? Let's do this one. Okay. Um, we've often lived on the adventure of following God's leading with enthusiasm and then working out the numbers second. I know some people that have their numbers in perfect order, perhaps so perfect that it's a hindrance to making bold steps of faith and challenge. For us, uh, it's, it's often been the other way. We've never lived in debt. We've never lived beyond our means. But we've often lived not knowing where next month's money is going to come from to pay that bill. Uh, we've always sought to honor God. We've believed in tithing and bringing offerings beyond the tithe as we see needs and as are led. And that hasn't cost us, that's blessed us. But there's been times when we've had some financial challenges. And in those times, we've often seen God's provision. In the move that we've had coming here, the car we have was a blessing. Uh, the house that we have and how that came about was a blessing. It was not easy. It was during a hard time. But often we've seen blessings in hard times. And we've seen God's faithfulness. In 2013, we were in church. And Sarah and I were sat on the second to front row. And I had a blue, no, a black gillet body warmer, North Face one, the other one without sleeves, it keeps you kind of warm and then your arms are cold, uh, but it looks nice. And <laughs> it was on the seat and uh, we didn't have any money and the fridge was pretty lean. And we had an unexpected bill that had appeared. And sometimes you meet people and they have these reserve funds and then several reserve funds behind that reserve fund. We had no reserve funds. There was no line of reserve funds. And we had a, a bill that came up. Uh, and we've been praying about it. That, you know, and often I believe when we, when we pray for, for income, often God gives us the ability to work and to earn money. Sometimes God gives you a, a remarkable gift. Often God gives you the skill, the integrity, and the stewardship to, to plan, to work, and to, to, to earn. But this took us by surprise. And uh, we'd done everything that we could do, but we didn't know the answer. Uh, we were in worship. They were singing. I wasn't feeling particularly in a place of deep encounter with the Holy Spirit. 
Sarah looked at me and said, I see what looks like a row of angels standing at the front and they're giving out blue envelopes. It looks like they're giving out Christmas cards. And she said to me, do you see them? Of which I was like, no. I do not see the angels giving out blue envelope Christmas cards. It, it, it was as, as weird as it, as it was wonderful. But, but she had this experience. And I thought, okay, fair enough. It was a normal kind of church service. I can't remember anything about it. Which is quite disappointing for people that give messages. And that most of the messages we've heard, we can't remember. Anyway, I can't remember anything about the morning. At the end, we picked up the girls who were young from the children's ministry. I put my top on. I put my hand in to reach the car keys. uh, And I found something that wasn't there before next to the car keys. And it was a blue envelope. And it had exactly the money that our bill was. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I love that God goes beyond our understanding, our expectation, our faith level. I love the God that God, I love the fact that God's supernatural wow and wonder is beyond our natural ability to understand or, or be okay with something. Some of you might be thinking, an angel giving out Christmas cards? That may be weird. It was just what we needed at the time. Uh, so if you're in a situation where finances are tight, I want to I pray for you. I think that's what we need to do. Let's, we'll do this another time. I want to pray. We've told uh, some stories. We told a story where there was a loss and a theft and everything was taken and God turned it around. For some of you, you may have a loss. You may have been robbed. It may be a relationship. It may be a situation. It may be a circumstance. Uh, in fact, let's just do this now. Close, close your eyes. If for you there's a loss, and I don't need to give any more illustrations of what it is, put your hand up in the air. I'm going to pray for you. If you've lost something, if you've been robbed, if something's been taken, and you know that because it hurts, And there's a few people here with this. I'm going to pray now. Lord, I pray that you restore beyond what has been taken. Lord, I pray that you bring healing where there is wounds. Where it looks like everything is gone. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this moment would give birth to new stories of more than coming back. Lord, I pray that you absolutely, in a way that you can do, ridiculously bless and return and restore what has been taken for those people that are putting their hand up now, saying there's been a loss. Bless them, I pray. Why don't you pray for for this one? Jesus, thank you so much, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. 
on the cross and that it is 100% finished. It is done. And we thank you for all that you gave for us so that we could be free, so that we could breathe. We are so grateful. And I want to thank you for what you've done in my life. And at the same time that I do that, Father, I ask that you would do it again, that you would do it again. Yeah. If there's anybody in this room yes. that is struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with anxiety, why don't you um, reach out your hand to Jesus? Because I feel what he wants to do is take your hand. He wants to take your hand. And I ask, Father, that you would cover, cover us in your blood and that you would set, set us free yes. to breathe again. And I, Father, I ask that in the same way that you have given me peace and that you, you've put back fragmented pieces back together, I ask that you would pour out your love and your grace and that you would drive away all the fear and that you would bring calm, mm. that you would bring peace, that you would bring restoration and that you would bring joy, that you would make joy return again. Yes. The joy that is deeper, that is so deep and so much deeper than just happiness or fleeting feelings, but that it is deep. It is a deep joy of salvation yeah. because you save and you rescue. And I've known that for myself. I know that to be true. So I ask that you would do this again, that you would do it again. Yes. And for all the stories that we have told, Father, we ask that you would do it again, yeah. that you would do it again. We thank you and we ask that you would do it again. Yes. For every person that is listening online, for every person that is in this room, yes. do it again, Lord. I do want to pray specifically for some people, but I appreciate the time. When Sarah told the boot story, I said, there's someone here and you're, you're walking in the old boots and you know they don't fit anymore. If that's you, put your hand up. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for change. Lord, I pray for new shoes. I pray for new shoes that fit differently. I pray that the, the person or persons putting their hand up, Lord, that they will not be able to squeeze their feet into the old boots again. Thank you, Lord, that you clothe us in righteousness so that we cannot walk in our old ways again. And thank you, Lord, that they fit. Labels. Some of you have been mislabeled. Some of you have mislabeled yourself. Put your hand up. Let's pray for you. Because the label, not just is a tag, but it creates a tin that you're stuck in. Lord, I pray 
that the only label that we would know is that we are a son and a daughter of the King. Lord, thank you that you don't brand us, box us, restrict us, confine us, but you smile over your children and you say, the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. May that be the experience of people who have labeled or been mislabeled. And then lastly, finances. A subject that Jesus spoke about more than almost any other subject. Because he knows that it's going to be a challenge for us. If you need some God intervention in your finances, put your hand up. Lord, we pray for wisdom and provision. Lord, we need them both. Lord, we don't want provision without wisdom. And Lord, at times, Lord, there is wisdom, but there's a lack of provision. Lord, whichever one we need more of at the time, Lord, I pray that you bless, that you pour out, and that you provide. Why don't we all stand? I'm going to close up and just do something slightly differently here. I want to say this. We want to be a church community that recognizes God's goodness and that tells the stories. We've told some, not many. Kind of fun. If you've got questions, um, we're open. I want you to be open to God intervening. I want you to be faithful to Jesus' instruction in Luke 8 to go and tell what you've seen and heard. So if you've got something to say, if you've got a story, especially if it's a recent one, we'd love to hear them or we'd love to tell them. We want to do that. And perhaps the best story that we can ever tell is the story of Jesus. It's Christmas. You've seen the invite video that we've made. We've played it a couple of Sundays. I'm not going to play it now. If you haven't yet invited people, please, to quote Luke 8, go and tell people what you've seen and heard. Go and tell people what the Lord has done for you. And by all means, do that online or with a card. As you leave, we're going to give you uh, the invite cards Share it with somebody. Go and tell what the Lord has done. Uh, I'm going to pray that we go in peace, but I want to say this about the, the baptism. We've got uh, Cecilia and Caroline and Keith. Caroline and Keith did the recent Alpha course. Uh, we celebrate with them. Please join us as we move to the Y in Eastern. It's two minutes. It's not two minutes. It's two miles away. Uh, We're going to be there only for a few minutes. We're going to be in the water and out. But we'd love to celebrate together the stories that God is telling in us and through us. So we're going to head in that direction. I just want to pray now. Why don't you open your hands? I want to pray a blessing on you. Lord, I pray for those here and for those joining us online that the story of Jesus would continue to spur new stories in us. Lord, forgive us for the times when we've not 
stopped to say thank you. We've just gone on to the next request, like our prayers are shopping lists. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your kindness that goes beyond our understanding and expectation. Lord, where there's hurts, Lord, would you bring healing? And would you lead us in your paths this week, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please grab a Christmas invite. Please head to the why we said we'd be there around 12. So we've got some time for some drinks. If you've got children in the children's work, please collect them swiftly. Thanks.